Hello, and welcome to the WILF Podcast. WILF stands for Women I Like to Follow. My name is Tess. My name is Amy. And we are happy to be talking to you all on this episode 15. Oh, you're right. That's, yeah. We're coming to you on a different day of the week than usual, because we do, that's when we can get it done. Yeah, you know what? We're keeping it spicy. Keeping yeah. you on your toes. Head that's on right. a swivel. Spicy toes, swivelly head. Amy, my cue for you. Mm-hmm. Hit me. What celebrity did you have a crush on when you were a teenager? Uh, great question. Um, Manny. Yes. Manny. <laughs> Manny. Um, but I would say a, a big one was Chad Michael Murray. Oh, boy. Yeah. Is this from? Pretty Boy. One Tree Hill? I never watched One Tree Hill. Did he do anything else? He was in Freaky Friday and, more importantly, A Cinderella Story starring Hilary Duff. Of course. Um, I loved his little pixie nose and his pouty brat face. (laughs) He also, um, he filmed One Tree Hill, which is filmed in Wilmington, North Carolina, as a lot of the CW (laughs) teenager shows were. It was a hot spot for, like, Dawson's Creek, etc., and I did hear lots of rumors about him going to, like, high school parties in Wilmington, college parties, no. and generally being a huge asshole. Was he doing it for research? No. Oh, that's... To hook up with girls. That's not good. <laughs> yeah. I assume um, he was 40 at the time? <laughs> no, I, he was quite... He was young, no, also, okay. but not... Not... Uh, yeah, I think he was um, a jerk. But I will also say, huge thing for Heath Ledger and Brad Pitt. Well classic i i watched oceans 11 and my mom likes to tell the story that while we were watching it halfway through i leaned over and i said oh what did i say i I really like (laughs) this movie (laughs) (laughs) after watching him eat in every scene (laughs) yeah just watching him chomp a shrimp that was definitely the movie where i was like ah i see i see that he is a he has a face. <laughs> <laughs> Look at that hand face and jaw and face. Uh, and I called my friend Claire up that night and made plans to see it with her again the next day. I also saw that movie twice in theaters. Not it's, because of him, just because it was a good movie. And there's not and not just there's a lot of magnetism in that movie. You sure. got you got George Clooney, you got Matt Damon, you got Don Cheadle, and above all, Carl, Carl Reiner. Reiner. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Of course. Um, Elite Gould. <laughs> I took a quiz once. Were you no. Elliot Gould? No, that's not true. A group of friends was like, who would we all be in Ocean's Eleven? And they made me Elliot Gould. Oh, well, okay. But what about you? Who did you have a crush on as a teenager? Uh, at first I was like, well, I didn't. Uh, and then I was like, no, I did. But they were, it, they were very superficial things that were mostly... Um, conduits for me to use the internet let Uh me explain so i the first tv show that i really um that i bought on Uh itunes Uh was um lost Uh and lost has several adult characters one of them is is um jack played by matthew fox all of them are adults that's true there's a a couple child what i mean is like capital a adult Uh uh-huh i was like no, that makes them sound like they're porn stars. What I mean is that they were they were all full full adults, and I was a teenager. And so uh-huh. I was like, "Wow, look at them!" Mm-hmm. Um, a man. Yeah, and Matthew Fox is one of them, and he had been on the show Party Five, which I knew nothing about, but I was into 
lost. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember he was one of many actors that I would just like look up their Wikipedia. I would look up their, I would just look at their photos Mm -hmm. in different contexts, like scroll through the IMDb collection of photos. Uh, Eventually I got to some website that had pictures of his hands and his feet. Oh yeah. Um, I think it's called Wiki Feet. I don't know what yeah, yeah, it was yeah. called then. And that's when I, and there were just like a bunch of them. And I realized I said like, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm on it a lot. <laughs> I'm just aware of it. I want to. Like... Well, at some point I was looking at it. I was like, oh yeah, collections of photos. And I was like, oh, this is a database. This uh-huh. is for a specific purpose. <laughs> um, and I was like, ah, okay. I also went through this with Daniel Craig. Cause I was very, I still am into James Bond, surprisingly. And, um, Casino Royale came out when we were in high school, and I was yes. very into that. Yes. I used to doodle the 007 logo, and I was on my notebooks, and I was jealous of the people who graduated a year before us because they got like 007 on their shirts and stuff. Here right. I am. I'm not, I don't have a crush on him so much as his branding. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. And that scene in the shower. In the shower where yeah, he like, like sucks her finger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is. That is visceral. That is palpable. I had watched a lot of James Bond with my brother and father growing up. We watched a lot of British movies, but they were always like, it was like Sean Connery and Roger Moore. And they were just Mm -hmm. like old men. And these were old movies. Mm -hmm. And then this was the first movie where I was like, oh, it's so modern. (laughs) (laughs) So modern. Uh Um, And that, uh, yeah, it was, I don't think it ever... I never thought of them as real people. They mm-hmm. were just flat images of of conventionally attractive men. Can I ask you a question? Yes. What do you think the rest of us mean when we say celebrity crush? I don't know. Don't you like fantasize about meeting them or or kissing them? No. No. Oh. I mean, I mean, there. Are, I I know girls who like truly like wish, yeah, like believe that. Are you yeah. saying that I'm normal? Yes, oh I'm saying God. that you're pubescent desires were in line with everyone else's and involved the same weird internet stalking that didn't really mean much right yeah right okay good Good. yeah i mean i i had one time i had a dream that i was watching brad pitt and george clooney sweep a stage wow it was like really really number on that really vis like really um vivid and i woke up and i was like ah that was amazing But like, I and I think there was like the idea of like, oh man, I wish I lived in Wilmington because maybe then I'd like meet Chad, Chad Michael Murray, Murray out at a party. That's so funny. But I think it was truly just a like, they're just like vessels. Yes, that's for true. for admiration and for just like poking at the feeling of want of attraction and wanting yeah. someone to just be like, oh. There's not there's there's nothing to upset it like them bullying you in school or smelling weird, <laughs> right. you know? Yes, they are they are uh, pristine. But there's also nothing to like get disappointed about because you know Brad Pitt's an adult man. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna no. meet or marry Brad Pitt. He's married to Jennifer Aniston and that's a marriage that will stand the test of time. <laughs> Sorry, Jen. Um, I'm sure she listens. Um, great. Okay. Good. Yeah. I feel soothed. Happy to bring you into the into the bosom of teenage girlhood. Yeah. Um, the flat, weird a, bosom. Yes. Um. Uh, adjacent question: Any female celebrities 
that you either had a crush on or were like, God, she's so cool. Like, you know, an aspirational female mm. celebrity. Mm-hmm. I actually was talking about this to my friend Mary. Hey, Mary. On the phone last night. The lead girl in the movie Stick It. Ugh. She's so cool. <laughs> she's so cool. She's very masculine. I mean, she's not, she's a beautiful, like, woman, but she, like, wears skater boy clothes yeah. and is, like, incredibly strong and tough. Yeah. And I think I and had... she's got two male friends. Yeah. <laughs> I think... We did watch it recently. And she doesn't have a love interest in that movie. Like, right. there's not attention unless it, you count her weird coach, daughter, father, mentor mm-hmm. tension with Jeff Bridges. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, everybody go out and watch Stitch, Stick It. It holds Stitch up. Stitch It, which is Stitch the, it. that is the, the sequel quilting about version. quilting. <laughs> um, I think I had, like, confusing feelings about her, where I was, like, mm. not, like, I didn't fantasize about her or, like, look her up, but watching yeah. that movie, I was like, oh, she's, like, attractive. <laughs> yeah. Janice Ian from Mean oh, Girls, also yeah. very cool. Yes. Uh, the confidence. The confidence, the... Yeah. Um, all that is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all I can think of at the moment. I watched a lot of cartoons growing up. Um, yeah, I'm sure there were others, that other women that either, like, I'll Jasmine. Tell <laughs> I'll tell you who I did not have crushes on. Any of the men in the Sex and the City that I was watching. Oh, God, no. They really were an epitome of, I don't know what was going on in the 90s, but there was... There was a lot of men that were... St- I was told were attractive, who right. I looked at, and I was like, I don't get it. Right. I, I still don't get big. S- no, definitely not. But um, I get Aiden, I suppose. Sure. I I remember seeing him in my big fat Greek wedding and being like, why what is his hair? Yeah. Why is his hair? <laughs> when is his hair? Um, uh, now I want to watch my big fat Greek wedding. We should. Let's. Let's pause. Okay. I know that this is what everybody tunes into Will for is this extended conversation of everyone that we've ever felt drawn to. Though I actually am loving this, I think. This is great. I do want to yeah. watch that movie because I have not seen it in years. Uh-huh. Um, okay, so we it's been a couple weeks Yeah. since we've talked to our fans, our adoring fans. Mm-hmm. Usually at this part of the episode, we will debrief about something in that the Wilfs are creating or putting out into the world outside of their Instagrams, but we haven't really engaged with that in the past two weeks. There's no podcast occurrences, no TV specials. Seven days until Glennon Doyle's Untamed is published, so we don't have anything to report about that. Yeah, it's similarly a week or two until Brene Brown's new podcast comes, Mm -hmm. comes out. So we thought that we would take this time to just... To debrief about ourselves. Yeah. To just step into Wilfdom and claim it and be it. And write a four paragraph long caption about it. <laughs> oh. Step into our Just like hold the space and own the space. Do you space, think any of them before. Do the work. Do the work. Show up in the space. Do the work. Do you think that before they post some of them, do any of them turn to anybody who's near them and go, is this too much? <laughs> Like, do you think Glenn turns to Abby and is like, should I? I mean, Surely. She, doesn't, she doesn't write very long things. No, but also, like, if it's just, I think there's too much word-wise and too much extra-wise yes. in the in the hip term extra. Yeah, do you mm. think Elizabeth Gilbert turns to the turtle that has recently seduced her with its botanical charm? It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not correct. It, no, I, no, I get, I get it. You get You're it. saying it's, it's the fauna, it's yes. the fauna that's, 
embodying the life energy that is love everywhere. I gotta say, flora and fauna is like room and board. Uh-huh. Every time I hear it, I have to really think about which one is which. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Lindsay Woolsey. That's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a kind of cloth, but it's just a, a, a phrase that yeah. I think to myself kind of often. So we just... We just passed Leap Day, which was an important day in my life mm-hmm. because it was eight years since my father died, um, and so we don't celebrate it every year. We do it. We've only had two real uh, anniversary days, and this year, uh, enough time had passed that I instigated an event that went off without a hitch called Arthur Palooza, which was. And if you want to read about my dad. Look up his obituary. It is a glossing over of his life. Oh, God. <laughs> You'll find it if you search hard enough. Um, uh, but this was about... Uh, this was an event that we held at my, my family home in Philadelphia, and we invited lots and lots of family and friends to come and be in community with each other um, on this unusual day, and uh, it was a celebration of life. And it was really... Uh, it was really fun. Yeah. Amy was there despite um, never having met the Arthur of the moment. She was one of two people who had not met my father, the other one being my mother's current boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we we were in it together, peas yeah. in a pod. Yeah. Uh, just there to celebrate, the, celebrate and support the people who were celebrating the life of the man who had died. That's right. Um, and... Uh, it, I wrote a letter for it. So there was, um, about halfway through, well, I'll tell you the spread. Good food. All beef Great hot dogs. Food. Uh, there were Portuguese, uh, sausage kale soup. Uh, deviled eggs. Mm. Love a deviled egg. Uh, how many do you eat at, on a, like? At an event like that? Yeah, yeah. I think I ate three. Three eggs or three halves? Three halves. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, uh, cornbread. There was crudite. There was a variety of things. And I didn't really finish any plate of my food. I tried mm-hmm. several times, but people kept interrupting mm-hmm. me. Um, and same with my drinks. I had three drinks, three cups that I did not finish <laughs> over the course of the night. And all, all of them, I wrote my name and I never found another, another one after I put it down. Um, and about halfway through the event, we all gathered in the living room and we shared, uh, people shared stories. So, uh, one friend read, uh, it was not an open mic situation. My mother was tight with the speaker list. Mm-hmm. One friend read a poem that he had, that he had written a long time ago. Um, my brother read a list of ways I emulate, ways I want to emulate my father. Mm-hmm. Um, my mother offered some thank yous to the group. Um, and then I read a letter that I had written the night before that was a letter to him. Um, oh, and his cousin read a letter that he had written in the seventies. Um, and, uh, uh, so I wrote this letter. It was, I had written it the night before, very late after we had come home from something. And, uh, all week I'd been like, yeah, I'll write something. I'll write something. And then I got into bed at midnight with my computer. I was like, well, here goes. And I was like crying and typing and crying and typing, but it was all like good, fresh tears. Like there wasn't, it wasn't like, Nothing about this grief thing is new for me at this point. Um, that doesn't mean it's not, like, palpable. And... Uh, yeah, true. But it, it's, like, it, it kind of felt like sweating during exercise. Like, you're not surprised it's there. Mm. Um, and uh, so I wrote this letter, and I cut out parts of it. Like, I, I was really getting poetic about a lot of it. 
Um, and then I read it to the group. I have said for a long time that my eulogy that I gave at his funeral was the best public speaking I've ever done. And so I was living up to that expectation in my mind. And I think I did fine. (laughs) 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 Um, And Mm -hmm. it was, yeah, it's about all the things that he doesn't know that have happened since he's died. And now all the things that I don't know about his life because I didn't know to ask. Um, And I quoted a letter that he wrote in the 70s that is the background of my phone. I took a picture of it and it's about how he is surrounded by so much love in his life. And he wrote that when he was like 22 and he didn't even know all the people he would meet, all the people who would end up in a room in Philadelphia in the year 2020. And I looked out at this crowd who I also love and they love me. And I thought of, there's all the people I don't even know that I love will love yet. Mm -hmm. And how I am, I can never be alone that he is always with me, that these people are always with me. I am with them. Um, And I gotta say there were tears Mm-hmm. There were a couple laughs. You were at the, you were, where were you? I was, <laughs> I was uh, sort of kind of babysitting at the time. Uh, a friend of your father's uh, was taking care of their grandchild, their granddaughter that weekend and brought her along and wanted her to not be um, bored or disruptive during the, the special emotional time. So I took her upstairs and we were, watching Frozen. <laughs> That's what she wanted to do. She told me with almost zero words. Just like a, a, she a whisper of Elsa on the wind. <laughs> uh, but I I sort of hung in the doorway while she um, while she was watching and I and I made sure to uh, hear your letter and I just quietly quietly wept <laughs> at the top of the stairs which part about it do you think was the most you you getting emotional oh yeah yeah, yeah. i suppose and also i think the uh, the feeling i feel the thing i the thing that scares me i mean many many things scare me about the prospect of losing my parents mm-hmm. but i think that sort of tender feeling that I really connected to is like wanting wanting to know what they think mm-hmm. of um of my choices and and wanting to have them for advice feeling like I I, I need to be able to call and ask yeah um and and hearing you voice the things that you wish you could have had a chance to ask or mm-hmm the things you're curious about or the things you wish that he had seen as when you're talking about like how you, he had, you want, want to know what he would think of your improv comedy. That obviously resonates with me. I mean, my dad has seen my improv comedy. He's a, he's a big fan, (laughs) Um, but is he a big fan of me? He hasn't seen it. (laughs) Dang. Uh, He'll come. He will come to Philadelphia for improv comedy. But, uh, I think, my theory is that my dad would come to a lot of my shows and at mm-hmm. the end he would clap for me in the lobby and say, that was great. You sure you didn't write a script? <laughs> um, yeah, I, but I, I just sort of, I, I felt all that for you and also like Im- Im- imaginatively for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, 
after I spoke it, we kind of dissolved the gathering part, and a lot of uh, a lot of middle-aged folks came up to me and hugged me silently, <laughs> <clears throat> including one middle-aged woman who said, "I would pay you to be my therapist." <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> so, great! Great, that's um, really affirming. <laughs> oh, very much so. Yeah, I really respect these people, and and uh, yeah, this this event was a lot about aging like we've everybody in that room has had some major life change mm-hmm. in the last eight years a lot of new grandchildren people have gotten married other people's people have died um people have moved retired a lot of my parents friends are now retiring or thinking about retirement and so there was a lot of talk about that mm-hmm. um and how they are all my parents generation is aging we're all aging yeah and they're visibly aging <laughs> um uh, and my mom, every, anytime we have an event like this or like a, a Hanukkah party or a New Year's party at the end, she goes, God, I can't believe how deeply people talk to each other. And there's a lot of like, <laughs> who were you talking to? Did you see? Them? I saw those people and those people talking and they've never met before. She's always like, she's like a conversational mm-hmm. manager. Um, so I really appreciate that you came. I thought that was, I thought that was very big of you. Oh, well, like you, thank like you. Like you step like, like it, it's very... You could have been like, oh, that's weird. I, yeah, I want to avoid that. But you're like, no, I will. I will yeah. go and I will bring uh, brown butter salted caramel. Uh, right yeah. now. What was it? Brown butter salted Rice Krispie that's treats. That's right, which were a hit. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I was happy to come. I, I, well, I, I know it was important to you. And I have enjoyed all my time spent with your extended family. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate the need for uh, a friend, even if uh, e- even if you are fine, it's nice sometimes to f- know that there's someone at an event that's there because you're there. Yes. Yes, that's very nice. I, I have felt that before where I've been like, I'd like to look and see someone who's like... Yeah, here. who's my peer as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had several peers there, and it, it, I'm so glad that all of them were there. Um, So... There's that, but also, you know, non, or more, more selfishly, not self, but like more self-servingly, I don't get a lot of, um, really personal. You don't get a lot of old Jewish uncles asking you how you are? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't really care about the answer. <laughs> I don't get a lot of family time living in Philadelphia, and I don't get a lot of like, personal community time yeah. where it feels like you're part of a larger network of people who are connected by something profound. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I thought you might like the ritual aspect yeah. of it. Which I love, kind of made up. Yeah. I love ritual. I love marking moments. I love, um, a chance to stop and like take something, um, take something seriously, not mean t- to treat it with a ton of weight, but just like, no, this matters. Right. Yeah. Totally. And so it felt good to be there. Yeah. Um, any updates from your, you that you'd like to share? Oh boy, nothing uh, so concrete. No, no big event. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have entered March, which means I am in the month of my birthday, which I love. But it also means that I am in the month in which I am turning thirty. Woo! Woo! Which all year I have felt very zen about. Very like, it's coming. I'm going to make it a big party. I'm going to do something and make it feel good and like celebrate it and ask for the attention that I want all the time <laughs> and make people celebrate me. And I, I've, my 20s have been good, but they've also been a mess. And I think my 30s will feel better and 
more natural to me. And I've had this like very pleased with myself stance of like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not afraid to say I'm turning 30. I feel great about it. And then, and then the friggin' month happened (laughs) and it, I'll tell you what I'm trying. I am trying to remove my judgment of myself for being really friggin' freaked out about it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the anxiety came home to roost Mm. and it nestled down in its little hen nest and it's laying its nasty eggs. Mm. (laughs) And those eggs are self doubt, (laughs) uh, fear of death, um, grief for, for a bygone childhood. And, um, you know, money worries. Yeah, I mean, those are the four eggmen of the apocalypse. Four horsemen of the egg apocalypse. Uh, so, I all this week I've been sort of I've been grappling. I've been trying to um, figure out what's up with this upswell of really physically manifested anxiety. Y'all, no, I'm not gonna say it. But I will say that we also, in this apartment, have been fielding a lot of the anxiety also from the outside world. Mm -hmm. You know what's going on. If you're listening to this at a future time, buzzwords are coronavirus and primaries. (laughs) Democratic primaries and just 2020 as a general thing. As a, yeah. As a, yeah. Um, (laughs) As a hashtag mood. (laughs) Mood. That's mood combined with look. Mm -hmm. (laughs) M-E-W-T. Um... Yeah, so we have been talking a lot. We've been untangling uh, strings from the Gordian knot of our gut. (laughs) Um, Both of us, what I edited myself saying earlier, but I'll say now if I can rope us both into it, we've had opposing and equally severe... Gastrointestinal (laughs) Yeah, digestional issues. You get to decide who had what. Yeah. Um, who had which problem? Yeah. And uh, who's more retentive and who who's more explosive? <laughs> the answer may surprise you. <laughs> it won't if you know either of us. <laughs> um, but you, we, we are, you know, we go to therapy weekly and biweekly. Mm-hmm. Biweekly, I guess. Biweekly, both yeah. Of and us, so yeah. we, um, our therapy cycles are aligned. Because mm-hmm. um, you went today, I'll go tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it has been reassuring each other that anxieties are normal mm-hmm. that the outside is the outside the inside is the inside um that yeah i think that i i am not not out of the woods of the anxiety my chest is not loosened mm-hmm. uh completely but i feel better than i did a couple of days ago and i think a lot of the things that help me are recognizing what is real and present in my actual daily life and what I am more or less voluntarily bringing into my life that do not not don't have to be relevant yeah. don't Yester- have to be involved yesterday at the end of the day you and I were both felt wrung out from the day's news mm-hmm. and all these things and we each listed what actual good things happened today yeah and we each had several things, four yeah. or five things that were good, and not even good things, but just actual, yeah, they <laughs> just were like, real, like relevant to us, yeah. Because like, I think if you had asked me at six p.m. yesterday, like, oh, how was your day? I'd be like, oh God, terrible. Mm-hmm. And then when I actually thought about, it, I was like, oh, it, it was fine. Yeah, <laughs> it was a normal day, and you did normal things. Yeah. And, 
Um, so I think that is an important process for me is figuring out ways to ground myself in, in the reality of my day to day, which is largely positive. Indeed. And, um, and recognize that it's okay and reasonable to be anxious, but also that it's okay and reasonable to be hopeful and joyful. Yep. Um, that it's not, it is not naive or foolish to, to, um, to say this fear exists, it's okay, mm-hmm. and I'm going to choose to believe that, uh, the thing that I'm afraid of, um, might not happen. Yeah. If you're currently afraid of something, consider the following three questions. What's most likely to happen? What's least likely to happen? What is probably going to happen? Sorry, uh, let me rephrase that. What's the best thing that could happen? What's the worst thing that could happen? What's the thing most likely to happen? Oh, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That, can, that can center your, your monkey mind. <laughs> yeah, the, the wild swings of uh, catastrophic thinking. Yeah. Or, or really, really hopeful, idealistic thinking and that feeling like the only positive outcome. Yeah. I'd say... Also, I had um, a, a little breakthrough today realizing I'm doing a lot of reading about witch hunts <laughs> and witches in early modern history for my current grad school class. And I, I didn't realize how that was feeding into my anxiety exactly. I was like, I'm reading about a lot of torture and a lot of paranoia, and that's feeding into my anxiety. That's how I understood it. And then today I realized I'm reading about people hating women and people hating old women. <laughs> And I am also fixating on the fact that I am getting older yeah. <laughs> and am a woman. And, um, yeah, and I think it, it was really clarifying. I, I forget. I had some great thought a second ago, and now it's gone. It's because you're getting older. You can't remember yeah, things. Yeah, it's slipping much. off yeah. my slippery brain. Uh, <laughs> just tucked in the folds. Ooh. Um, but I think... Uh, as far as anyone else out there who is having that sort of anxiety, one, if you've done it and you have any good uh, thoughts for me, holler at our Instagram or, podcast. Or, or Gmail. That would be great to get some, some support. But I think also realizing um, all the different places that um, sneakily are telling you what the world expects from you it's it's good to realize that it's coming from more directions than you realize yeah and i i can i can reject the expectations of 1530s germany <laughs> <laughs> even though they are still shockingly relevant right yeah, we have examples of Wilfs like Elizabeth Gilbert, 50 and thriving and childless. Oh, yes. Let's talk about Elizabeth Gilbert. Shall we actually talk about the Wilfs in this Wilf episode? I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, uh, we're going to talk about Elizabeth Gilbert, of course. Yes. And as we were looking at, like, oh, who do we want to profile, you know, during our whatever. Um, Instagram. Yeah. I was like, I think my, the sound was when I thought of Elizabeth Gilbert. Ugh. <laughs> and okay, I think it's clear to anyone who's who's listened to our past episodes knows that we love Elizabeth Gilbert. We've learned a lot from her. We get a lot out of the things that she creates. Yeah. 
And she is the most. She is the most. She is the extra. She is... She is a t-shirt cannon of love. She is high on her own supply. (laughs) (laughs) That supply being exuberance for life. She's hoisted on her own petard and (laughs) she is loving it. She is... I own her own so Yeah, so she, so, you know, in her standard way, she's a celebrant. And she yes. also is freaking rich. <laughs> so she travels all over the world to be with people who really pay lots of money to see her. Yeah. So, of course, she's surrounded by a lot of love and good feeling. I, I understand. Yeah, and this is not denying Elizabeth Gilbert's darkness, yeah. her grief. Nor nor the fact that she should not experience success. We should all experience yeah, it. Yeah, I, I am happy for her. Yeah. I just don't relate. Yes. So she's been on this, uh, I don't know, business speaking tour, whatever, mm-hmm. in Australia. And boy, does she love Oz. Oh, God. She she was in India. She was in, in Fiji. Fiji. She loved them both. And then she got to Australia and was like, ah, uh, finally. And I was like, finally what? Yeah. Finally what? You yeah. just went from beautiful place to beautiful place to beautiful place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so she, you know, she meets, she goes with a new friend to a stationery store and they're, I don't know, orgasming about pens, which mm-hmm. we have done. Yeah. When we stopped in the Moleskin store right before SNL. Ooh, Oof. girl. But it's like two out of the last like 10 posts were about that. Yeah. <laughs> we're about journaling. Um, which we stand. We stand the journal. <laughs> so, okay. The specific post that, that we landed on is a post from about three days ago where she's with a group of beaming, smiling, sun-kissed people. She, and she said... Um, uh, if you want to find the best secret Australian beaches, you got to have the best secret Australian friends. And I was like, why are you keeping your friends secret? <laughs> um, and she said, thank you for the most magical days, the most magical of swims, plus wallabies, plus ech- uh, echidnas. That's how you say that? Yeah. Yeah. Plus blue tongue lizards, plus a wild barefooted trek and a race against the tides. I'll never forget this perfect, beautiful day. You guys are the business, and I love you more earnestly than you may as Aussies be comfortable with. Which I can guarantee not many people would be comfortable with our amount of celebrants. I am looking at all of the people who are tagged. I'm looking at their things. They also all kind of posted the same photo. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they're beautiful. They look happy. I would love a, a day on an Australian beach oh, looking at... At first I read it as enchiladas, <laughs> not echidnas. <laughs> um, but looking at the, at the wildlife. Um, and it's hard not to just feel bitter, I think. Yeah, I mean, we're... Yeah, this is, this is viewing somebody else's... This is the, you know, viewing somebody else's outsides and comparing it to our insides. Insides, yes. Yeah, Yeah. we're excited about your upcoming birthday trip at the end of the month. A couple of states away. We're excited. We're about to move to a a new uh, apartment that we're both really thrilled about. There's a big step up. In unit washer and dryer. (laughs) In unit washer and dryer. Oh my god. That's an Australian beach. That's a wallaby. (laughs) Um, But seeing it and, you know, seeing it over and over and over again it gives me the thought of, I would just like to just half mute her. Yeah. I think it, it is the danger of social media, yes. which is the constant comparison of your life to 
to the peaks of someone else's life. Yeah, and then the risk of turning off her work output because of her, because of our overexposure to her personal output. Right. So. And, yeah, and I think her personal output is part of her general philosophy. Certainly. And I, I do love positivity online and that it's not all political and that it's not all fear. That's right. a relief. And within so many of these nuggets, there is the message of life is here for you to to enjoy. Yeah, love each other, yeah. celebrate each other. There's something beautiful to find anywhere. Yes, I think. But uh, another thing that we've said is that she is, she is the reigning world czar <laughs> of... Of just wordy, lengthy captions. Just emotional, they're uplifting. So, they, they are rambling tales. Yeah. Um, and, and in a way, she's a writer. And so there's always some moment in there where you're like, oh, that phrase. Right. And this might be quite satisfying for her. It does not have the two-year-long timeline of writing a book. You know, she yeah, has an idea. A, she can write it. It's done. Yeah. She can just, like, practice public writing. Um but sometimes it also feels like, uh, like who can who can keep up? Yeah, with? and like I read this truly when I'm on the toilet at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you're you're sitting down for a minute. You're about to go back out yeah. to a bunch of kids trying yeah. to figure their days and lives out, <laughs> yes. and you're like, oh, the all the women swimming naked for a si- final sunset in Fiji. <laughs> That like, sounds luxurious. I've had those sunset in Fiji moments, specifically a sunset in Tanzania that I can think of. <laughs> but it was like, these are, they seem pretty far away from my lifestyle at the moment. Right. And hers, I think, I think the, the reason it starts to breed a, like, a discomfort is that hers seem kind of, con- she seems to be kind, so- somewhat constantly on that level yeah. of, ex- of profound, beautiful, also like she's living expensive in an- and yeah. exceptional experience. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's like a lot of it's a lot of orgasms. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not anti orgasm. No, so. but I have heard uh, so, I I think I heard a radio show in in high school that talked about highly orgasmic women. Uh huh. Yeah. Who so people who are like always on the verge right of having an orgasm and it's not a sexual thing. It's just like a, a, a physical yeah and and it can be quite debilitating right yeah because an orgasm is like physically seizing up and then right. your body releasing all tension. Right. <laughs> and so, and we really, we don't know what, you know, she has said many times she wakes up and the, like her job is like fighting the men, the, the demons in her, right. In her brain. Like that is her full time job is managing is, her mental health. And she is certainly, she's twice divorced and also nursed. Widowed kind of. Yeah. Widowed. Yeah. And that there's a Not lot. Kind of, she is. She's, she's widowed, yeah, yeah. Twice divorced and widowed, which is no small amount of, of, of complicated love. Right. Um, and, and perhaps and, the depths of that is what propelled her to be such a, a celebrant. Yes. Um, so, yes, I think our, our caveat, our big asterisk, is that we still admire and like her, right. and we, we want her to be this happy. Right. We just can't always yeah, it's more let a, ourselves... It's not quite a commentary on her. It's a commentary on social media and our... <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the feeling of, yes, take, for you taking a bathroom break yeah. while, the, while there's kids screaming outside, <laughs> and me taking a bathroom break uh, in a public coffee shop <laughs> and before I go out and... 
uh, sent copy and paste 20 emails yeah. that are exactly the same. Uh, also, winter in Philadelphia is sure. not summer it's not in very, Fiji. It's not very cold. Um, <laughs> um, so, you know, carry on. Do, yeah, do your thing. Yeah, get it get it, and be happy. And yeah. we may sometimes not read the long captions. Right, right exactly. Um, and now we're going to turn to a fave of ours who's, who's not a wilf, but yeah, we, we, she's, a, she's a personal wilf for us. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, yes, we have talked about what makes a wilf a wilf in some, in some ways, but there's also the larger category of women we admire and do enjoy following on social media yes. that are not quite in this world of this community of self-help, inspiration, writing, yeah. lifestyle, et cetera, et cetera, buzzword, buzzword. Mm-hmm. And one of the women that we really love is June Diane Raphael. Mm-hmm. She is an actress. You may know her from Grace and Frankie. She plays Brianna. She's the wife of Paul Shear, comedian. Yes, she is a comedian and improviser herself. She's an author. She wrote, co-wrote a book about... Um, uh, yes, it... Uh, uh, women in politics. Yes, it is called Represent. I definitely recommend checking it out. It's a guide to help women run for office at, at every level, yeah. from like small city positions to national positions. And it also profiles women in office. Mm-hmm. It's a great book that she wrote with a political consultant, I believe. Yes. So that's awesome. You follow her more than I do. I don't yes. actually follow her. So I listened to her on a number of podcasts. How did this get made? Where she, she and Paul Shear and Jason Manzoukas talk about bad movies. And it's completely... All of the podcasts I listen to her on are completely about comedy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other one, that, which she frequently appears on, which I've mentioned before, is Bitch Sesh, where they talk about uh, the Real Housewives franchises. Mm-hmm. And... She has a, a hysterical way of expressing herself. And, and so she, her, Amy mentioned her today because her Instagram story is an example of great use of Instagram. Yeah, <laughs> great this use of is, social media. If, if we are fatigued by comparing our lives to the glamorous lives of people we see on Instagram, we are enlivened by seeing, by connecting with people over Instagram in this way. She, yesterday and then into today, all of her Instagram stories are, have been about um, using a menstrual cup for the first time. Did it's, she say what brand it is? She did yesterday, and the story has expired. It's not Diva Cup. Okay. It's another like salt. It's like salt something. Yeah, I don't know. They're all. Yeah. Yeah, it looked very trend. The box was very trendy. The packaging was. Was it sans serif? <laughs> um, it might have been serif actually. Oh my. But, well, that's that's now new trendy. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so yes yeah, so she saw she's trying this for the first time she's and it, I think it's also great, great that she's doing this today because she is so political she yeah. wrote a whole book about women running for office she's been arrested with Jane Fonda at Fire Drill Fridays about environmental things yes she took a her um her voting place had a red carpet that she took a picture of herself in front of and posted on her regular Instagram. She has openly endorsed Elizabeth Warren. She cares. Yeah. She's public about it. But while the world is imploding about how that's going, she's like, but today I'm trying a menstrual cup. And you know what? I love when people try new things 
that can be so habit forming. Yes. That is what I really appreciate about that. And she's trying something. She's saying like, this is new for me. She's a woman in her 30s with two kids who's trying something she's been doing since middle school, probably, Mm -hmm. to do it in a new way. And it's vulnerable and it's embarrassing. And she's like, let me just, before I know how this is going to turn out, bring the world along with me. Um, (laughs) I myself am a huge menstrual cup uh, supporter. (laughs) I didn't need you to say huge menstrual cup user because <laughs> right, is, I am like, I a huge it's... user? Is the cup huge? <laughs> um, yes. Um, I got my first one in 2013 when I was living in France. Um, and because the tampon situation in France was not what I was used to. And I was like, you know what? Let me, let me jump in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have never looked back. I've mm-hmm. never used a tampon since then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's not for everyone. Correct. But I do know a number of people who are fanatics. Yeah. Um, partially because you don't have to spend nearly as much money. It's one higher cost once, but you're not buying, you're not paying had, the pink tax every month. Yeah, I've had two in the last uh, seven years. Uh, if you're wondering what the pink tax is, uh, it's that menstrual items, uh, pads, tampons, etc., are are taxed as luxury items. Even though they are necessities. Right. I did just read a headline that in Scotland, I think, oh gosh, I hope it was Scotland, and I'm not misspeaking, uh, will be moving towards completely free menstruation items for everyone. Oh, wow. That's amazing. I know. Um, yeah. And I'm a big fan. And, and I there's have less, there's less, less waste. waste. Yep. Yeah. And you, you are, and it's also less chance of toxic shock syndrome, and you can keep it in longer <clears throat> and overnight. Um, um, I have personally given demonstrations to uh, groups of camp counselors in my all-girls camp, and they were riveted. Mm-hmm. I want to <laughs> clarify for the Not a the personal, listener. not a, not a, yes, it was not using my body, it was using <laughs> the cup. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, she, she also took questions from her followers <laughs> and publicly responded, um, uh, and that was entertaining and fun. Um, that she talks about how, uh, uh, her period since she's been, had children have been a nightmare and that this is life changing. Um, so someone says, can you have sex with it in? And she said, I guess it depends on what kind of sex you're having. Which is a great follow up. Yeah, yeah. Which is, um, uh, which, yeah, is really a, th- a funny and also, like, thoughtful and inclusive response. Yeah. Today, just to share another period story, I, I work with a young girl who's um, nine years old, and her mother told me this morning that she got her period yesterday. And I was like, okay, I'm ready. Um, <laughs> and I was, I kept, like, kind of watching her throughout the day to see, like, if she was uncomfortable or if she was, like, running off to the bathroom or, and, like, mm-hmm. I was ready, like, with the pads if necessary. And, uh, and later in the day, she was just kind of, talking to herself near her friends she was like oh it has been such an awkward day and I was like oh why and she was like well I can't say all of it but I will say that when I woke up it was awkward and then I went to the bathroom and it was awkward (laughs) and then later later I told her mom that and her mom was like yeah she just told me that when she went to the bathroom she dropped a partial toilet paper roll into the toilet and didn't know what to do (laughs) 
I just, I, yeah, I just had the sense of like, thank God I'm on the other side of being embarrassed about these things because yeah. if, you know, if we had a dollar for uh-huh. every, if we had a nickel for every embarrassing thing that happened related to our period, it's truly endless. Yeah, we would yeah. we would close the wage gap. <laughs> I I love that it was awkward. It's just yeah. awkward. It's not the worst thing sure. that's ever her happened body, to me. Her body may it's slowly not... be maturing, but her vocabulary not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a good it is a good description because it's not always painful. It's right. not always stressful. It's just like little awkward. <laughs> it's like there's many times when I've had the diva cup where I thought, gosh, I wish I had another arm. <laughs> Uh yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think so I I highly recommend June Diane Raphael as a, a Her Instagram handle is June Diane. Yeah, at June Diane. She's she's inspiring, she's funny, she's very fashionable. One of our favorite posts <laughs> from her is uh, when she's, it was for a Grace and Frankie promotion, and she's like, I'd like to thank my stylists for these great clothes and my makeup and blah, blah, for my hair or whatever. And she, I'd like to thank myself for this unstoppable body, <laughs> which is It is funny that, amazing. like, we, we just, that, like, you know, we say Liz is living this glamorous life and, like, oh, we can't relate to it. We can't relate to June no. Diane's either. <laughs> no, I cannot relate. My, but, body, my body does regularly stop. But... <laughs> But that, this particular content. Right. I do say we do resonate with that confidence from time yeah. frequently. Yeah. Frequently, I walk into the room as if my body is unstoppable. <laughs> Even though if anyone nudged me, I'd fall to the ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. And I, um, I, I guess my take, I don't, we don't usually do takeaways from the people we're following. But since we don't usually... Um, talk about June Diane. I guess if I have a takeaway from her um, her overall vibe in this story chain in particular is um, let let the world see you try and succeed. Yeah, I mean, classic person who does that, Jonathan Van Ness. Oh. He's been popping those gymnastics and ice skating videos on Instagram for a year, over a year now. I, I love, love those videos. I love seeing an adult try something new. Yes, and he frequently falls. Oh, yeah. But he frequently lands. Yeah. And so inspiring. Yeah. Also, um, great fun to see a grown man fall. Oh, of course. Um, yes. Um, I will speak briefly about Me and White Supremacy, the workbook by Leila Saad. I have started it. Uh, I have done two pages. <laughs> so I have t- two days. I did this about... Oh, I guess right after the last time we recorded. The first one was about white privilege. The second one was about white fragility. Both of them I had a lot to write about, a lot to examine. Um, I read through that Peggy McIntosh, Unpacking the Invisible Backpack about white privilege. Um, And um, it was a lot, um, but not impossible. I spent maybe half an hour or 45 minutes on each. I could have done less. Um, but since it was the beginning, I thought, I'll just try. And I have not done it since then, even though it's been on the dining room table. Um, I don't know why. I guess because work is a lot and life is a lot. And And planning your father's memorial. memorial. (laughs) And because it is hard stuff. Um, And I want to give it my full attention and... I spend a lot of time in the evening decompressing from the day. Yeah. So I can be ready for the next day. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
that is what it is. I, I, I've really liked those two days I've done. And yeah, I think all of, uh, yeah. Uh, I guess you don't have to share because, but we haven't really talked about it. it. Would you say that something, anything new, surprising, or just not even surprising, but like, oh, just like of note, yeah, rose? Yeah, the day two was talk about a time you viscerally felt white fragility. And I wrote about um, this thing that happened uh, over a year ago when I first started my job, which resulted in me crying at work. Absolute example of white fragility being poked at. Um and Specifically, I think not just that you were crying at work and you were a white person, but it was around an issue, a it was conversation around, uh, about yes, race. Around a conversation around about race with a black person, just me and them in the room. And um, it was very embarrassing at the time, and it is still embarrassing now. And as I wrote about it, I was able to like give myself some compassion and also give, yeah, I've, I've had enough distance from it now to realize like... Um, that that's fragility, that that like crying does not indicate that the whole conversation needed to stop or that she needed to, I, I did say in the moment through my tears, I was like, oh, please don't comfort me. <laughs> um, and since then I have not cried as I have not cried, uh, in that context. Mm-hmm. Um, even though similar things have come up and I'm, I am happy about that. Yeah. Um, and I'm happy also that she didn't, I don't know. She didn't drag it on. Mm. too long uh, it has had the effect though that we do kind of avoid those topics um i don't it's not directly from that it's also personality things yeah. but uh, so it's helping you explore yeah yeah certainly and yeah. i was glad to write about it and process it great over a year later yeah um so uh another uh potential wealth that i don't know that we've talked about very much i think we've maybe mentioned in passing um who we may get into more in the future is Adrian Marie Brown, who has written a book called emergent strategy and another called pleasure activism. She is, um, biracial black and white, and she is about activism and community organizing and specifically these philosophies about pleasure activism and the emergent strategy, which I'm just learning about, which is about, um, about the ways that small interactions grow into larger change and about how to intentionally, uh, I guess, act and build connections in the world. I, I am truly in the introduction, so I hope to be able to speak much more, um, uh, There's a lot of good writing out there. Yeah, it's, I, I hope to be able to speak about it more coherently in the future, but I wanted to read from it this week for our reading because it's great and I'm highlighting it a lot. I'm going to read two little things. She's talking about who she is and where she comes from and her relationships with her um, grandparents. And she said... Uh, 
I also have to speak here of my evangelical maternal grandfather, Fred Mathis, who facilitated many conversations about Jesus, morality, spirit, faith, and love in his lifetime. Every single time I was in his presence, I was amazed at how quickly we were in a conversation of his choosing, where he was really listening to my child thoughts about God and love and duty, where I felt I could be honest, even with my doubts, even with my heart. We often differed in opinion, which with him felt safe and even invited in a way that it wasn't and hasn't been with most other Southern white people. Um, we would we would talk and then he would get me on a horse and take me to the woods, asking me intermittently if I understood how powerful the horse was, how beautiful the land was. And then she talks about her relationship with him and her queer sexuality and how they navigated that. And then she says, my paternal grandmother, Eloise Brown, died when I was nine. One of my clearest memories is that I saw her, impossibly, on a playground shortly before I learned of her death. As I got older, I think part of her came to me to be carried, to be carried for a while. I have felt her with me so closely. Most of her lessons have been passed down to me through stories about her, patched together with sparse, deep memories of her hands in my hair, her door always open. There was something to eat. There, <clears throat> her, door, her, door, little, her door always open. There was something to eat. The neighborhood kids knew they could come open her deep freezer for a popsicle. She had seven children of her own. From her, I learned that food is as important as... From her, I learned that food is an important foundation for community and that love isn't always a doorway to forever sometimes it is a door to another love <laughs> always it is an emergent process among other things love is an energy of possibility the possibility of wholeness wow right <laughs> yeah that's the first i've really heard of her work it's a lot uh, a lot of it is like that which is why i'm highlighting constantly yeah. which is it's beautifully written and there's a lot of things that she says that feel very profound and true. Certainly. And new but simple. Yeah, that, yeah, all of that was a very well put way of, of saying how warm I feel being around my family. And I had a lot of them here this weekend from both sides. And, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, how much, how much security can be gained from from one's family. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I also loved her describing her grandmother as someone she didn't know especially well, but the the story, she, but she knows through her stories yes. about her and through her sense memory of having her hair done, which is a, one of the ways that I remember my paternal mm-hmm. grandmother is that she would comb my hair when, and she would rub my back. Mm. And there are a lot of things, but she died when I was in fifth grade, and I think so much, so much of my knowledge of her is filtered through the memory of, of small comforts. Yes, that, is, that has become the name of the game with my father. I have plenty of memories of him, of course. Um, but when I dream about him, I dream of... I wake up with the sense of being with him. Mm-hmm. Of like, we always hug in our dreams, mm-hmm. and that hug is very very visceral and is a it is the warmest part of my childhood Mm -hmm. and it 
um, yeah, there's a lot there. There's, I'm such a verbal person, but there's so much of love that is nonverbal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, I love her description of her grandfather, someone she's clearly very different than, right. but who she found a, a, a safety with yeah, and a, a freedom to be curious. And I think I, I loved these descriptions, I think, because they reflect how I feel about my own family and they also reflect what, what I want to provide others. Yes. How I want to show love to others. Ooh. It is windy out there. Yeah, I don't know if you can hear it, but it, it is coming a down. storm coming. All right, it is time for <whistles> Wilf Whistle. What I would like to ask a Wilf is, at what point in the day do you decide this is what my evening is going to be? <laughs> so, like, this week didn't have much going on in the evenings. Happy about that. And so each day I've gotten to, like, 4 o'clock towards the end of my work day. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going in tonight and I'm going to watch Bon Appetit videos. <laughs> or, like, I'm going to go home. I'm going to cook this thing. Amy and I are going to watch something. Like, mm-hmm. um, and, and they're... But sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes what happens is, like, I'll get to some point, I'm like, you know, there was that thing I thought about doing, and I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, when do you decide whether it's going to be, like, a light, fluid evening or, like, a set evening? Right. Um, Yes, my my wolf whistle is related to what we have been talking about this whole episode, which is how and when do you decide to, as a wolf, uh, when do you decide to step out of the stream of, of social media, of... Uh, internet news, um, public discourse, and sort of ground yourself in your own life. Yeah. And, yeah, how do you do it? When do you do it? Why do you do it? Why do you do it? I feel like they've talked about this a lot, but it's often in vague (laughs) terms. Right, and then we, of course, hear about it through their social media. Right, so it's hard to witness. (laughs) Yes. Um, Thanks so much for listening. Yes, we hope that... uh, with all the things swirling around, you're not feeling too anxious. And if you are, that this was helpful. That's um, right. And you're not alone. And also, good things are happening. That's right. And the answer to stress, it's not lean in. It's lean on. Yeah! Yeah! Lean on. Lean on. Lean on.